Survives Wingfoot. Now the moment Aaron Badley has waited. Curry Webb is the five-time Australian Open champion. Golf at its best by one of the best in golf, Peter Thompson. Stand in front of a crowd like this today and win the PGA Championship is pretty special. He's done it at last. Greg Norman. his name on the Stonehaven Cup. Leishman to 11 under. Now we've got a new leader, kids. Here is Adam Scott. A life changer. Coming up next, you have unrestricted access to golf across Australia and the world. Thanks to Golf Australia, we're going inside the ropes. Subscribe now on iTunes or your favourite podcast app or head to golf.org.au. Hello and welcome to Inside the Ropes, episode number 80, a very special ISPS Hander, Vic Open edition of the Inside the Ropes podcast. Welcome along, I am joined by two luminaries of the game, Martin Blake, journalist extraordinaire, I'm not going to spell it. Hello Martin, do I have to, do I have to get you on him? I don't think you do could spell a... extraordinary, could you? <laughs> Extra? Orden A-I-R-E. There we go, I've done it now. Three it's weeks good in, to be here, it's a great week this week and um, I think we're all looking forward to it. Yeah, it's, it, it's, a, it's a great time and we'll talk a lot more about it in a minute. But first, let me introduce you for the first time this year, Alison Whitaker. <laughs> welcome back to Inside the Ropes. It's so good to be here boys. And we, part of the broadcast team, Hazy. Well yeah, we're going to ask her about that. Let's do that now. All what, right. are you, what are you up to this week? Uh, this week, well, we're just kind of coming at the coverage from all angles, really. Uh, it's, it's quite a unique event to cover from a TV side because instead of just one golf course, you're covering two golf courses on the first day and two fields on the first day. So I think for the first kind of couple of days, it's going to be just trying to set the story and see what's going on, see who's going low, and then we're in for a beast of a weekend. We've got six hours coverage each day and you'll be hearing a lot of my voice. You'll be sick of it by Sunday night and yep. I probably will be too. Are you hosting? <laughs> um, I, well, technically I think Grant and I are both in the box. So, yeah. And then we've got um, Sandy McKenzie and Todd Woodbridge on the course and then we've got Quentin Hull as well from the ABC involved and uh, I think Steph Brantz is out as well. So it should be pretty fun and Grant, Dodd and I in our, in our little cage of, uh, of heavenly golf. Heavenly cage of golf. Wow, and ABC and Fox Sports as well, Hazy. We need to mention, yeah. Yeah, so ABC Live. This is a first for the Vic Open. It is, and simulcast on Fox Sports Live at the same time. So, um, fantastic addition to both networks to have this tournament broadcast live for the first time in a very long time. Not sure back in the olden days if it might have got a sneaky run around somewhere, but let's go with no because it sounds good for us right now. <laughs> and a big shout out, Ellie, to the, the to the commentators from last year's live stream who got left, you know, chopped and, and not, not added to the list. That, that'd be me, Blakey. Yeah, well, at least you were on the radar, mate. I, I, I don't even get a mention, you know. I've, I've, you know, so I've poly- been pushing myself up, but I'm just yeah. not getting anywhere. <laughs> Thanks. That wasn't about you. That was about me. <laughs> Sorry, I'm, it's all about me. Uh, <laughs> Well, let's talk about the Vic Open. Um, you know, it's the. We'll probably come back and talk about it in in the third segment too. Today, we're going to have uh, a very special guest on the ISPS Hander Road to the Women's Australian Open, the 1997 champion Jane Crafter, uh, adding to our illustrious list of guests on this road. Um, we're going to speak to Jane Crafter in a few minutes. Uh, South Australian, passionate South Australian, and she can't wait to join us. I know I can't wait to talk to her. So that's going to be fantastic. Uh, we'll run through all the normal results, but we need to talk Vic Open. Um, we'll do probably before and after, Jane. We're here at 13th Beach Regional Event, which I think is magnificent for Australia for one, Ellie. Um, but to have the concurrent men's and women's field, same prize money, same course, same time, $3 million prize pool. Uh, it's a phenomenal turnaround for an event that didn't have any women's uh, component for a very long time, the best part of two generations. And the men's has gone gangbusters at the same time on the back of that too. It's it's awesome. It's literally awesome. Well, this this event's grown exponentially. And I don't think even the people that were involved at its inception when the women and men came along together could have predicted the rise that it's gone through. Um, this year, obviously, the biggest and best we've ever had, which is really exciting. But, I mean... The thing about this event is it's so much more than the sum of its parts and anyone that comes and plays it usually comes and returns the next year because you're warming up on the range, you know, next to the boys and you hear the banter and it it kind of brings you back 
to your amateur golf days and the team's events as well. And there's such a sense of nostalgia that comes along with this event that you only get if you play it. You only understand it if you come here and see it. And that's probably the biggest thing for me, I think. And uh, it feels like coming home. Blakey, we're sitting in the seats recording this uh, where the press conferences were held before. Uh, Beef Johnson sat in this very seat where I am right now and talked about playing in front of the crowds without ropes. Yeah, Uh, he, He seemed pretty enamored by it all, didn't he? Well, he's the type of guy who'll respond really well to that because he's a knockabout guy. But they do get up very close. There's no doubt. And, you know, <laughs> like it's glass half full, glass half empty for the pros. I think some of them, if they're coming here for the first time, they might be wondering, Ali, what what that actually entails. Are people going to be moving behind them? But Penilla Lindbergh from Sweden, who came in here before as well, was saying that she was. She just tells all of her colleagues who are coming here for the first time. It's amazing how uh, respectful the crowds actually are because there's no limits on them but uh, they they somehow uh, you know they keep in the right spot they don't move when they have to they don't talk when they don't have to so and it really adds it does add to the tournament just the the atmosphere is terrific so as part of the first you were talking about Ali uh, we have LPGA tour co-sanctioning on the women's side and we have European tour co-sanctioning on the men's side don't get me wrong, this is a magical field from the women's perspective. I'm really enamoured of it. And the, and the women who are here, I think, are... That's twice I've used enamoured in the first <laughs> two minutes. It's very disturbing. Uh, the, 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 the women who are here are the ones you would want as uh, representatives and ambassadors for the tournament, I believe. I think the selection we have here is fantastic. Um, on the negative side of that, we only have, I think, five of the top 50 in the world rankings here because of the choice of we're not going to play four tournaments in a row from Barwon Heads to Adelaide next week for the ISPS Hand to Women's Australian Open and then the two big ones, Money Wise and Up in Asia. Um, Is that a problem that we can overcome so that we can perhaps see the biggest draw cards possible in Australia at both Barwon Heads and Adelaide in the next few years? I I do think we'll get more as we go along in terms of, at least from the women's side. Um, In a way, the the field... was maybe a little bit of a victim just because of how much time and notice the tour actually had. By the time they, they kind of were ready to go, I think it was only about three months. Yeah, it was late October. Yeah, late October. So to try and turn an event around and and get organised and put all of the structures in place that make the girls comfortable abroad, they were probably running a little bit on borrowed time. Okay. And, and to be honest with you, so, I, you know, anyone that wasn't playing that were my friends, I actually wrote most of the messages and saying, hey, okay, why why didn't you come over? And part of it was that it wasn't really translated that along with the event and the prize money, that all of the structures and facilities within the compound that was available to the players had grown as well. Mm. So, you know, rewind two years ago and even then, you know, there was kind of, wasn't really a, a player dining area and those kind of things where they can go and be tucked away in the clubhouse and have kind of their peace of mind away from everyone, um, which is important to a lot of players just to have those, that kind of comfort level. Um, but the facilities are better this year, but I don't know that that was necessarily translated to them because when I was talking to them, they said they had no idea that the event had actually grown as much as it had. Um, another one's world ranking points. It's a Solheim cup year. Um, I think last year, for this event, Minji Lee got 15 points. To put that into perspective, a normal, um, well, a major, I think you get 100 points for winning. And so for those players that are trying to play their way into the rankings for Solheim Cup, they're looking at the biggest events where they can get the most amount of points. And is the, that an arbitrary thing or is that a strength of field? It's a strength of field thing. So it's kind of like what comes first yeah. in a way, the horse mm. or the cart. So um, it'll be better, I presume, this year. I haven't actually looked at the world rankings and what's been allotted for this year, but it's going to continue to grow. So I think that's another reason it'll come so I'd be really better inter- next year. really interested in your take on this. Sorry for a second, Blakey, but Kari Webb mentioned in an interview in the United States recently, um, I think Randall Mal had it on Golf Channel, uh, talking about um, he was expressing his disappointment, and I think he used Kari to sort of help his argument, that uh, it's incumbent on the women who have been pressing for equal rights and equal pay, everything like that, everything to be equal. Uh, No one's pressing for any more than that. uh, To actually have, um, or show, I should say, support when the tournament actually bobs up that presents that opportunity. Do you have an opinion on that? I mean, I'm an idealist and I've been involved with this event pretty much 
ever since it moved down to 13th Beach, whether it be playing or, you know, being involved on the weekend in the broadcast and that kind of thing. I would have loved for the top 20 in the world to show up. There's no denying that. It would have been an incredible statement if that had happened. Um, do I blame them for not being here? Absolutely not. Everyone's got their own lives. Yep, they've got their own their own business. They've got to do what's right for them. They're essentially a walking company. Um, the hard thing is that you make your own calls. You don't have a boss that's telling you whether you can and can't go. And that can be a tricky decision. So for a lot of girls, they've got their goals. If it worked out for them, then they came. But I mean, I would love to see a bigger jump in support for next year, whether or not scheduling wise that, that turns out it's, I mean, it's tricky. It's a, it's a tough equation. Really is. Yes. You've got four in a row. That's one thing that the, the players that I've spoken to have been, been saying that there's four in a row. So not many are going to play the whole four in a row, you know, two here in Australia and two in Asia after straight after. So, uh, some of them are picking and choosing, but look in the end, it's, it's a very strong field. It's just that I, I guess, we would have hoped for slightly stronger. And Brooke Henderson's withdrawal because of illness at world number nine was a, a blow, let's face it. I know that uh, Brooke's a big listener of Inside the Ropes, and we give her a quick <laughs> shout-out because she actually jumped on a plane from Florida and she was in Los Angeles when she became too ill to actually come. So she, rather than risk it coming across the Pacific, she still plans to come across for the uh, Adelaide leg of the trip next week. So hopefully that comes to pass. But we wish you well, Brooke, in Florida in your uh, recuperation. Yeah, one one other thing, I, and I think it would be remiss of me not to point out, whenever you have, you know, opportunities for equality, I think because it feels like the women are the ones that are asking and trying to gain the ground, there's no reason that we shouldn't be placing the same pressures on the men's field, mm-hmm. that it would have been an unbelievable statement if the boys had done the same thing. You know, it's almost against the equality message if we only focus on the women's field. Um, I think it would be unfair to do so. That's a really good point. You bring so many valid points. <laughs> I just read it online. For, what's that award? <laughs> when, well, yeah, she's gone instantly into the front of the in the Finchie count today. Finchie, Finchie. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but that's a really good point. I mean, we, we sit here and expect X and Y of the women. Um, and it, it's always going to be hard. I mean, it, there's been a lot of talk about, uh, you know, should we get, can we get Mark Leishman back? Can we get that sort of player, that ilk of player back? And... Invariably, the answer is going to be no. It's just too hard to break out of, uh, you know, the West Coast swing, for example, on the USPGA Tour right now to come home for a week. So, you know, it, it, it is a commitment. So maybe, oh, I'm always staggered, Ellie. You just bring something that <laughs> just rocks my world a little bit. Speaking of names that we've had bandied around the Vic Open for a long time, uh, and it's we should, it's a good time to bring it up now because it was a a somber week and a great week all in the same breath on the USPGA Tour. Uh, was celebrated in Phoenix the hole-in-one of Jared Lyle, which um, was breathtaking eight years ago now. Um, they laid a memorial, as we spoke of last week, a plaque there, and the tournament went off. With, you know, It was beautifully done around Jared. He's a sad loss here uh, at Barwon Heads. It's, it's very odd to see um, Brony cele- selling all the challenge gear and the loot gear. Uh, at 13th Beach Golf Links without Jared in the camp. Um, urge everyone who's coming down to Bowen Heads and the Ballerine Peninsula this week to uh, get around Challenge and, and buy a Luke Cap, buy a Luke Pin and, and celebrate Jared's life and also give to Challenge Cancer. It's it's sort of a weird feeling, isn't it? It was part. It's just part of what you did when you came here. Like yeah. everyone just walked over and bought a pin no matter what. I, you know, I think I will be finding pins for the next two decades around my house, which yeah. is going to be a lovely reminder of a guy that was so important to a lot of us. Yeah. It's actually six months almost to the day since his passing, which someone pointed out to me the other day. It's gone quickly, but it was beautifully done. Well it, done to the it was. PGA Tour, and, and Bryony loved it. Uh, I was talking to her about it this morning, and she said that they wouldn't tell her much about what they were going to do, and she was a little bit concerned about what they were going to do but when it happened it, you know she was wrapped with it that's awesome it was very moving and especially to see ricky fowler and we'll, we have to touch on all the results later on um in the third segment but it was great to see ricky fowler who's a man who's um taken up the the fight for challenge cancer uh, and uh loved by him all around the world and particularly in australia and, and had a close relationship with jared lyle get the chocolates there at the waste management phoenix open more about that later in a minute, we're going to start or continue along the road to the ISPS Hander Women's Australian Open. We're going to welcome Jane Crafter, the 1997 champion to Inside the Ropes, right after this. 
Experience Australia's leading women's golf event, the ISPS Handa Women's Australian Open at the Grange Golf Club. Witness Australia's and the world's finest golfers as they battle for a share of 1.3 million US dollars. Featuring reigning major champions Georgia Hall and Penilla Lindbergh, also world number one Aria Jutanagan and Australia's Minji Lee. The 2019 ISPS Handa Women's Australian Open, February 14 to 17. $25 a day for adults, kids are free. Tickets are more at womensozopen.com. Well, welcome back to Inside the Ropes, and it's an absolute pleasure for me uh, to introduce our next guest. Uh, as promised, the 1997 Women's Australian Open champion, one of the proudest South Australians you'll ever meet in, in your world, Jane Crafter. Welcome along to Inside the Ropes. Oh, thank you very much for that lovely introduction. It, uh, I am a very proud South Australian, even though I was born in Perth, but we don't want to mention that. But uh, <laughs> I, I, I am very uh, partial to South Australia, and uh, you know, I try and wave the, uh, the South Aussie flag whenever I can. And uh, yeah, 1997 uh, doesn't seem that long ago, but you know, we're talking uh, 21, a little bit over 21 years ago now. So, oh my gosh, the time flies, doesn't it? It, it really does. Does it seem like yesterday when you when you think back to to that victory at Yarra Yarra? It really does. Uh, it's funny you you'd say that because I was uh, just doing a little bit of uh, homework on you know what the scores were, and uh, I, I remember that I won by three shots uh, and started out really well. But I didn't realise I didn't remember that I started out with a sixty-five. That was uh, that was pretty handy. Uh, <laughs> That'll work. Yarra Disappointing, Yarra. Crafty. You can't remember shot by shot. I know, I know. I'm not years ago. He could, yeah, he can uh, put on the spikes and remember every shot <laughs> I think he ever hit. But uh, yeah, my my recollections of that week, uh, you know, the course, I, I just love Yarra Yarra. I think they've got the best set of par threes uh, really almost in the whole country. Uh, they are tremendous. And I remember putting in a little seven wood and a nine wood that week, thanks to Lisa Lot Neumann, who sort of... Uh, trailblazed uh you know the high lofted fairway woods and you know the couple on the back nine just you know with the wind just fit those clubs perfectly and you know i was really accurate with those and it uh, it really helped a lot a whole lot easier than hitting three and four irons ali <laughs> amen jane <laughs> and jane you would have uh, look, looked through if you did your research like i did and uh, had a look at the field that you beat and there's a certain Kay Webb there in fifth spot. She would have been a, a amateur, I think, at the time, or maybe just turned uh, pro. No, I think she no, would have she's... just just turned pro. Uh, yeah, I think, think she might have. It might have been her first first year as a pro because I remember 1996 at the Australian Ladies Masters. She was still an amateur and she just turned pro. So yeah, she was pretty young professional. Uh, but yes, obviously, you know, anytime you beat Kari Webb, it's great. But at least, you know, she'd only been a professional for a year, so that makes me feel a little <laughs> bit better. Anytime you can, uh, you know, uh, beat players like, you know, Lisa Lot Neumann, Laura Davies, and um, you know, Kari, Jan Stevenson, and we had we had some good fields, uh, you know. And looking back on, you know, 90, uh, 98, and of course they didn't play at ninety nine and two thousand. You know, I had a couple of good third place finishes as well. So, you know that. That golf course really suited me, and I really, really enjoyed it. And obviously, to win your national championship is a dream come true. I had won two Australian Ladies Masters, and those are very special. But I think when you win your national Open, uh, you know it makes it, uh, you know, just the, the cherry on the on the Sunday, so to speak. Jane, that that period of time when when the Women's Open was at Yarra Yarra, it was it was a real heyday and quite an iconic period in in Australian sport looking back on it did you have a sense of kind of what you were building because there's quite a legacy within you know that that decade of golf because I mean I remember my first ever Australian Open was at Yarra Yarra and and it's a it's a lasting memory for me I think you're exactly right it was a heyday Um, we had such great opportunities Uh, You know, and it wasn't an official anything event. You know, it wasn't an official LPGA event or whatever. They made sure that they invited, you know, the creme de la creme of world golf. You know, you've got Katrina Matthew, Lisa Lott Neumann. uh, You know, of course, Marnie Maguire from New Zealand won it. uh, uh, Not to mention, of course, Kari, Laura Davies, Sophie Gustafson. I mean, we had some fantastic players. Uh, that came through really from, you know, 94 
when Arnica won her first Australian Open, it was her first ever professional win, you know, and she still holds, uh, you know, a very special place in her heart, you know, for the Women's Australian Open. So it was great to see it come back. You know, obviously it had a, a little bit of a, a, you know, hiatus there for a while. Uh, but to have it start in 94, you know, at Royal Adelaide in South Australia. And then, as you said, Ali, it made its home at Yarra Yarra for, for a good while. And it really was a terrific golf course, I think, for us back then. Um, you know, it wasn't too long, but the greens were demanding. You had to really have a good all-round game. And, uh, yeah, I, I mean, it produced some terrific, terrific champions for sure. Well, I was, just, I was looking at the, the field, you know, the, the winners and there's no flash in the pan at the right. at the Women's Australian Open. There's no one there that won that that I don't think anyone at the event was expecting to. And all of them, uh, even in the last fifteen years, have turned into multiple winners on tour. What 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 do you think that Australian golf courses require that produces such good winners? Well, I think yes, I, I would agree with that, Ali. And I, I I think as I just mentioned, I just touched on. You've got to be a really good ball striker, but have a great touch around the greens. Regardless of, of where it was, whether it's in Adelaide, at, at Royal Adelaide, Kiyonga, Grange, you know, obviously it went to fantastic golf courses after Yarra Yarra, you know, Royal Melbourne, Commonwealth, Victoria, you know, back to Royal Melbourne again. You know, those golf courses, you know, really speak for themselves. Whether you're a male or a female player, it does tend to produce, I think, players that just have a really good all-round game that are good strategic thinkers they have good short games they know where to leave the ball uh you know they know how to putt because you know greens like in adelaide and melbourne really have the speed and they have the slope they you know the bunkering is is awesome wherever you go so i really think it does bring out just the the best all-round player on the week and you're right I don't think there's been you know that many flash in the pants I mean I didn't go on to win you know multiple Australian Opens but you know I had had a couple of good victories uh, in the Australian Masters and you know I think that sort of golf course really suited me and that was really in the prime you know of my career from like 90 you know 92 really to you know probably 2000 early 2000s and I retired in 2004 so it was a really good time for me you know and I very much look forward to both the Australian Ladies Masters and the Women's Australian Open coming back home nothing beats playing in front of your home crowds and you know if you can pull off a win well you know that just uh, yeah, makes you so proud it's uh, very satisfying. So you mentioned Crafty, the third places in 94 and 98, does, does, do you ever look back with, you know, oh, I wish I'd just got another one and got my name on there a couple of times on the uh, yeah. on the trophy or is it something you've you've at peace with and you're just like, wrapped to have had one or you, you've, your career is extraordinary already, um, would that have made it even sweeter? Oh, I think so, for sure. I mean, I, I definitely had uh, my chances at uh, Royal Adelaide in 94, the one that Arnica won, and uh, I think uh, Rachel Hetherington was second. Um, yeah, I, there's always a few shots uh, that you can think of that you would like all over again. Um, you know, but you could only, you know, as long as, I think as long as you do your best and, uh, you know, know that you gave it 100%. You know, golf is always a game where there's, uh, you know, I wish I could have a few back. It's always a game of mulligans. So um, I don't know that it would have changed necessarily how I felt uh, about my career. I mean, obviously, the, you know, you always want to win as a competitor. But uh, I can, you know, look back comfortably and, and be proud of, of what I did achieve. You know, Absolutely. I didn't have, you know, the strongest of games. Um, my game was really built around, you know, being pretty accurate off the tee and, and having a good, uh, a good short game. Um, you know, so I think when I did retire was probably a, a good time for me because, you know, as I was getting on in years, you know, the, the younger kids were coming out and they were so much stronger. And, you know, I had to be so on, uh, you know, with my longer game that, uh, you know, it was inevitable that it was time to, to sort of hang it up. Do you remember something specific from the, your victory at Yarra Yarra in 97 or was it just oh. a, a blur of first round birdies? No, well, that was 
that was awesome. It was one of those days where, you know, you just couldn't miss. Putting was sort of like shelling peas. They kept going in, you know, from, <laughs> from everywhere. But I do remember the last day especially, uh, I was paired with uh, the young Korean girl, Su Young Kang, and I had a pretty uh, decent lead, if I recall. And Su Young Kang was throwing in birdies uh, like I was on the first day. And I looked uh, at my caddy, Teresa uh, Durand, who'd caddied for me quite a bit over in the States and was a really good good friend. And I said to her, I said, she can't keep doing this, can she? <laughs> you know, it was like she made like six birdies in the first 10 holes. And then I remember she got to, we got to the par 3 11th and, and she finally made a mistake. And, you know, then I was sort of able to sort of keep my nose ahead. Hmm. But another thing I do remember on the last hole uh, was the par 5. And I drove it off just a little bit to the right. Uh, it wasn't in, you know a bad lie but there was some sandy area and a few little sticks and stuff around you know and being a pharmacist uh, in my previous life I had pretty good touch you know I can uh, you know pour things pretty well and I was starting to move a few twigs and Teresa sort of yelled she says what are you doing get away from that ball you don't want your ball to move you've got a three-shot lead I'm like okay I scared the heck out of me um, but yeah it was uh it was nice to come down the last hole and feel like you had, uh, you know, the tournament pretty much in control. But, yeah, she was a little bit anxious when I started moving a couple of twigs. <laughs> I can imagine. Crafty, uh, you've, you've made your, your career post-golf out of commentary with uh, ESPN and NBC in America, and you, you work with the ABC here in Australia as well, which follows in the footsteps of your father, Brian, who, you know, when I, when I first started watching golf as a kid, he was commentating as well which is really nice that must have been a great thing for you as well to stay involved in the game like that absolutely um you know i i wish dad you know was still alive to see you know both me and uh, my brother neil and how we've you know uh, stayed in the game of golf and followed in his respective footsteps as uh, you know both a, a professional commentator and uh, and golf course architect in neil's uh situation but you know, to have won the Australian Ladies Masters while Dad was still alive in 1992 was, was probably my biggest thrill. I mean, having won once over in the States uh, in 90 while he was still alive was great. But, you know, he uh, wasn't commentating that year, but, he you know, he saw it, and uh, that was that was fantastic. Uh, so, yeah, so I, I think he's been... He was a great role model. Uh, I remember a lot of people... You know, when I did a couple of little guest appearances during the Masters uh, in the first couple of years that he was doing it, and people said, oh, you know, you should think about, you know, doing that, uh, you know, after you finish golf. And, you know, it was a terrific opportunity for me. You know, Dad passed away in 94, and I took a bit of time off at the end of 1995 and, you know, sort of reevaluated, trying to figure out, do I want to keep playing? Because, you know, it was a pretty emotional, difficult time. And I had a friend of mine in, in America put together a little bit of a resume tape and I sent it out to ESPN and NBC. And I was able to, you know, get a few events a year with those uh, in the late 90s. And then once I retired in, 19, uh, in 2004, I started doing more for ESPN, NBC. And then eventually when all of the LPGA golf went to Golf Channel, I started to do a little bit of Golf Channel and still, you know, some NBC until... Uh, you know, 2014 when, uh, you know, the USGA events all went over to Fox Sports. So, um, you know, I don't do as much women's golf now. I do a little bit more of the PGA Tour. I've done some stuff for PGA Tour Live and I've been doing some radio as well. And, you know, I miss the LPGA. I'd like to do uh, have more opportunity to do that. But, uh, you know, golf is golf and uh, to watch the guys is pretty incredible as well. So, my next uh, opportunity to work for PGA Tour Live will be in uh, Tampa, and uh, I think Tiger Woods is playing, so I'll be tromping around with the hordes, trying to find a <laughs> spot to call some golf. <laughs> is uh, Do we ever think we might see Jane Crafter back permanently in Australia, or is it something that um, may not happen, depending on your career, the way that continues yeah, along? Yeah, um, you know, that's a tough one, mate. Uh I, I love coming back to Australia, but, you know, my life has pretty much been over there for so long, it's hard to sort of uproot yourself. But as I retire and my partner's retired, I, I'm looking to, you know, come back for a little bit longer periods of time and, and spend
spend some more time with my family. Um, my oldest niece, Lucy, is expecting her first baby in June. So I'm looking forward to coming back, you know, at the end of this year, towards the end of the year and, and spending a little bit more time with her and, and the little one. So, uh, yeah, it's... Uh, yeah, you know, it's hard to know. Um, I've always thought of this adage, life's what happens while you're busy making plans. So you yeah. never know. Anything could happen. And you've kept that uh, American accent at bay. You've managed to keep ah, that well. nice South Australian accent, <laughs> I reckon. Well, you're, you're too kind. I, I've had plenty of people say I still sound like a yank, and I'm sure there are plenty of words... Uh, and I do I happen to know that you, uh, I know that you can uh, get a hold of that South Australian red over there in Phoenix anyway, so. You bet, you bet. No, yeah. uh, I bet you there's plenty of that under your, under your cupboard somewhere. There's, there's some good ones in the wine cellar, <laughs> don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> and for those of you who don't uh, follow already Jane Crafter on Twitter, it's at Crafty Mate, is that right? That's right, exactly. Crafty Mate. Is there a story behind that or are you just making sure that everyone knows where you're from? Well, I think so, um. That's always been my nickname, and uh, my stepmom, mother, uh, she always used to call Dad Crafty, so I thought I'd sort of carry that on a little bit, and uh, yeah, be crafty, mate. <laughs> <laughs> I always urge those who don't follow Jane to follow along, very proactive and, and engaged, and always uh, engages in conversations, as you have so beautifully today, Jane, we really appreciate you taking the time, I know that this is a, we, we're going to get to hear your 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 tones next week from uh, from the Grange Golf Club on the ABC TV again, and we can't wait to do that, and we really appreciate you taking time to uh, discuss something that's been really prominent in your life. Well, you're very welcome. I'm looking forward to being at Grange next week and uh, and look forward to bringing it you know, to the to the crowds, and uh, hopefully the viewers out there will enjoy you know, what we have to offer. And uh, you know, I think we've got a really good field. Uh, it's going to be fun. I hope uh, Brooke Henderson gets better. I hear that she had to withdraw from the Vic Open this week because of illness, so that's a, a disappointment for Victoria uh, crowds, I'm sure. But hopefully she'll feel better. And, uh, you know, we've got, what have we got, six out of the top ten in the world, I think. So it's, uh, it's pretty darn good. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. And we really appreciate your involvement with it and look forward to hearing your dulcet tones over the ABC Airwaves. Thanks again, Jane. Really appreciate thank it. Thank you, mate. Okay, thanks, guys. Good to hear Cheers, your voices. Jane. Thank you. With men and women on the same course at the same time playing for equal prize money, the ISPS Hand Vic Open is unlike any golf tournament you've seen before. And this year, there's $3 million up for grabs at 13th Beach Golf Links. Featuring defending champ Minji Lee, Paula Kramer, Brooke Henderson and Georgia Hall. Also, Jeff Ogilvie headlines the men's field with Aussie young gun Lucas Herbert. The 2019 ISPS Hand Vic Open, Thursday, February 7 to Sunday the 10th. Adults $10 per day, kids free. Tickets and more at vicopengolf.com. Well, welcome back to Inside the Ropes. Uh, fantastic to have Jane Crafter as our third guest on the road to the ISPS Hand of Women's Australian Open. Um, it, it's hard to find a, a prouder Australian voice than that who, who sticks. She follows everything that happens in Australian golf. I'm not sure if everyone who listens to this is aware of how much interest she takes in the Australian amateurs as well. So it's great to see uh, or great to hear her, her thoughts on those things, Blakey. Yeah, and Hazy, she's been a, a really supportive person for people in the media, and I'm yep. sure Ali's felt this as well, but I, I certainly have. You know, like if you do, if you write anything that she likes, she'll often drop you a note. She's so interested in the broader aspect, aspects of the game, really. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of people would have loved to see her come back to Australia because she would be really prominent and she'd be a fantastic resource if we could just reel her back from the USA. But um, she does, to be fair, a fantastic job of being involved, even though she's on the other side of the world. She really does. And I know that she always answers phone calls and texts and requests and everything like that. So again, Jane, if you're listening, thank you so much. And uh, I'm sure that um, a new generation learned, you know, just how good a player you were 20 years ago there. And obviously a bit longer than that, but, um, Still goes around pretty well too, I believe. I, I know there were some pretty nice scores at Kuyonga last year when she was home, so I um, don't think that the, the crafter sticks have lost their magic. Anyway, someone who did have magic in their hands this week, or well, for most of the tournament, anyhow, Blakey, we touched on it earlier, was Ricky Fowler uh, at the Phoenix Open. What did you make of uh, him winning in a tournament that obviously meant a lot to him? And did you think that he was going to melt down when he had the five-shot lead cruising seemingly on the back nine on Sunday. So he's had a, a seven. That he's thrown in a seven, right? He hit it in the water. 
Well, he, I don't know if you guys saw it or not, but he, I mean, he hit it in. The, he had a thirty-meter pitch to a back pin, overcooked it in pouring rain in Arizona, which is very unusual. So I didn't the, see it, but did he blade it over the back? Well, he only half bladed it, but it skidded on the green, didn't right. check in the water, and it trickled past the hole, past the bunker, down, and then down the hill, hit the rocks, and straight in the water. And he's gone from nineteen under to, uh, well, he's had the seven. Yeah. So in in a heartbeat. Um, brought the whole field back in, and it was sort of touch Brandon and go. Grace overtook him, didn't he? Well, it was just it was just his to win and lose for such a long time in the tournament. He was dominant after day two, and you know to to have him sort of just fall over the line seemed a bit. Um, but he's able to pull it back, which is impressive in a way, you know. Yeah, no, he he did well to do that. So Cameron congratulations, fifteenth. Yeah, and what else happened for the Australians over there, mate? Well, Cam Smith was 15th. I just looked at his world ranking. It's the Cameron Smith creep. He's he's at an <laughs> equal career high, 27th. He's so quiet and efficient, this guy, just so consistent. And at some point, he's going to do something really big, I think. But just at the moment, he's, he's How about working this, Blakey? his way. How about this for you? I'm going to bring you an Ellie Whitaker-style statistic. That was his fifth top 25 finish in his sixth start of the 2018-19 season, which verifies the Smith creep factor. Exactly, and he's picked up 113 grand US for that. Uh, you know, he's just so consistent. He never, he doesn't seem to have a bad week. Doesn't miss any cuts. Um, and the know. only other Aussie who pegged it up there, Mr. Cut, was Aaron Baddeley, who um, uh, he struggled with a second round 77. So that sort of cost him. Uh, he's been reasonably solid at Phoenix over the years, but uh, not so much this week, unfortunately. On the web.com tour, um, a shout-out to, to Rian Gibson, who banked another $20,000. His best finish on the web tour since the third place at the 2018 Bahamas um, Great Arbico Classic, which was the last week's event, but last year, so 53 weeks ago. Uh, four underpar scores for the first time here in his fourth appearance. So... Tied eighth at ten under par, twenty thousand, and he's got, he's progressing along pretty nicely early in the season. Stuart Appleby missed the cut. Jamie Arnold uh, played all four rounds but finished seventy eighth, uh, and Brett Druitt in the middle of those guys tied forty second at four under par. Some good early results from Ryan Gibson because he's been a bit of a he's been a bit of no man's land for the last two or three years, Ellie. Yeah, well, I think just getting comfortable early in the season is so important for these guys that are playing abroad on, especially like the second tier tours like you know the the challenge tours the web.com tours um because you can get comfortable there you go to the pga tour for the first time and you're lucky if you can kind of survive with a little bit of getting six hours sleep a night because you're so pumped about being there but if you can settle in early into the season it just takes so much pressure off towards the end of the season as well we're going to europe yeah we are going to europe and i i mean again for the second week in a row um, the controversy lies not on the uh, North American continent, but in the Middle East. It's uh, I don't know which well, way Ali you want to go. Well, Ali was there. So uh, Dustin Johnson won it. Uh, I noticed he didn't move at all in the world rankings, but, but you can see the top of the world rankings in the men at the moment. Uh, he stayed at number number three, but one, two, three, and four are all within two points. So Rose is still number one. Kepka, DJ, and Justin Thomas. It's it's gonna it's gonna toggle around a bit this year by the look of it. What was the talking point over there, Ali, from a non-Australian <laughs> perspective? There was a couple, really. Well, I mean, because we'll come to the Australian perspective in a minute. Yeah, I mean, it, to be honest with you, the start of the week, the biggest talking point was how Tong Lee's penalty on the 72nd hole the previous week um, and everyone was absolutely reeling from that um, to fill you in on the 72nd hole he got penalized because his caddy was behind him he was lining up a, a three-foot putt it was quite obvious in the video that the caddy wasn't actually lining him up but the the new introduction of the rule where no player can be aligned by their caddies states that as soon as the player starts to take their stance and if the caddy is behind him at that, or him or her at that given point, that's when the penalty occurs. And th- that is the thing that a lot of people have been missing in this discussion. It yes. is as soon as one foot mm. is going into the stance. So you know everyone's talked about Ricky Fowler and then and Denny was it Denny McCarthy yep. um, who ended up getting his penalty rescinded mm. um, because he wasn't actually getting into his stance. So that that is the key. If you are putting one, no matter where you are, if you're on the putting green or or off the on the fairways or whatever, if you're starting to get into it. So he got penalised. Um, yeah, two shots on the 72nd hole. I think it dropped him from a top 10 down to 12th. It cost him a lot of world ranking points, a lot of money, and uh, that was kind of number one. 
That was that was the first talking point. That was the first <laughs> at the Saudi International. And, and aside from obviously the controversy of playing in Saudi Saudi Arabia, which we'll probably steer clear of. Um, the next big one before we get to the actual golf. Well, I suppose it was golf related. Was Spain's famous hot-blooded Sergio Garcia. You better explain what happened there. That was quite remarkable. Well, essentially, he had a meltdown on the golf course. <laughs> uh, I don't think there's any way to sugarcoat it. And you know what? From everything that I've had to do with Sergio, he is one of the loveliest men I've come across. Um, he is exceptional with the media. He is exceptional with the fans. I saw him taking pictures with the women in their abayas after he'd finished 18. Um, he, he was so open to being there. I don't know if everything's okay with him because that's what it looked like to me. It wow. looked like he wasn't in a good frame of mind off the golf course. This is pure speculation. But for someone like him to snap like that on the golf course, I mean, the tour waits for no one. So you can have all you want happening at home and you've still got to tee it up sometimes. So that would be my question mark. So let's explain. I don't think there's any vision of it at all, but no, there's nothing. nothing. There is one, one of, not of the putting green incident. So essentially he was disqualified for damaging five greens. Five uh, greens. In the final round. I think it was the final round. It was Saturday. Um, But there is vision of him online having a bit of a nightmare in the bunker in Friday's Round so if you and and it's pretty indicative of how I think oh, so that the weekend wasn't the went same for day. No, that was on the Friday. It's interesting because I saw that vision. I presumed that it was the same day, and he was having a really rough day. But it's extraordinary, Ali, that that a player, a professional player, would damage greens with players coming along behind him. That's the thing that gets me. It's not that you've had a bad day and whatever. If you're in the last group, there's no one behind you. But there were, I think Brooks Kepka brought it to people's attention in the pre in the following group that. His putts, his line was affected. Like this is severe damage. I think Patrick Reed was was the first one to point it out, and, and Kepka followed as well. So, oh. I mean, uh, he was disqualified from the tournament at the end of the play under the rule 1.2a, which relates to serious misconduct. But interestingly, uh, there hasn't been any announcement, further announcement as as far as a, a further penalty. Like there was a thought that he'd be fined. Could he have been fined, Ali, and they don't tell us that? The, the Keith Pelly from the European Tour said the incident is closed. So uh, is this it? Is that it? You know, it seems like it's it's all finished. I think it's done and dusted, mm. to be honest with you. Once uh, once the final word's put in, I, I think there were a lot of people that were surprised there wasn't some form of suspension, to be honest with you. Um, I think that was on the table for everyone, and they were yeah. surprised by how kind of quickly it was swept under the rug, in a way. What's your take on that? Because I've heard, I've heard several pundits say that maybe a year, up to a year suspension, or the rest of 19 off, anyhow. Yeah, I mean, that was, that was probably on the harsher side, but at the same time, for there not to have been an example made by the tour or at least some form of punishment. Um, I'm not sure about the fines, to be honest with you. I'd be surprised if there wasn't a fine. Um, whether or not that that'll be made. not announced. Yeah, whether or not they'll make yeah. that public is a different thing. Wouldn't surprise me either. The US tour is well known for doing that, aren't they? Mm. Uh, <laughs> look, he has to face up to his fellow pros. That's the thing. And I, I'm, my, I'm, under, I'm led to believe that he, he made a personal apology to a few players who are impacted by it. He's gone ahead and done that, but you know, as he should. But... He still has to face up to it, and he still has to live with what he's done. All right, so let's get on to the actual action, which is a huge, huge story for Australia in the making. Uh, we should give credit to Dustin Johnson for having his uh, victory in Saudi Arabia and Hatong Lee for being so competitive for so long. But from an Australian perspective, stand up and clap if you're a Minwoo <laughs> Lee fan. Honestly, seventy I think it was something like 70-69 or the other way around, the first two rounds, sort of nondescript, sneaking inside the cut, but then in the third round, Ali, a little man from Royal Fremantle, second event as a professional, has gone absolutely bananas, didn't he? He went 63-63, I think, the last two days, um, and it was it was fun to watch. We saw a lot of him in, in our coverage on Sunday, which yeah. was fantastic because it was kind of a real introduction, I think, to the world. Um, in only his second event as a professional. It was his first ever check, and it was, it was a pretty good one. 150 euro. That'll work. Yeah. I 240 thought, grand Australian. I thought one of the uh, telling things on, not that Twitter's necessarily a good guide for this, but I really like Scott Hend. <laughs> I think Scott Hend is a cracker, as a bloke, and he's so honest. He's brutally honest. He goes, I want to buy shares in Minwoo Lee. Oh, did he say that? Yeah. 
And I, don't I think, think we've been s- feeling that for a while, Hazy, haven't we? Yeah, no, I've already got control and yeah. stake in um, in enterprises. But yeah. no, no, I just think for someone who is obviously also excellent in his play in Saudi Arabia, Scott Hend, another top 10 over there, fantastic. To actually have the admiration for a young guy coming through and put that publicly, I think, says a lot. Uh, and I think he's right. I think Minwoo has got the world at his feet. I'd be really interested to hear either of your takes on this. I'm not going to point my finger at either one of you. It's really disappointing to me, and I love him. I'm the number one ticket holder in this fan club. It's disappointing to me that he's not at the Vic Open, and I don't think at this stage he's playing in the Perth Super 6 the following week because he's going with a previous commitment to play the Panama Open on the web.com tour because he wants to be an American, a North American-based player. Totally fine. Everyone gets that. I just get the feeling that he's missed an opportunity here to use that all the euros that he banked in Saudi Arabia, pick up a good check here at 13th Beach, grab another one in Perth where he was a quarter finalist last year as an amateur, and really just about not so up, but potentially make a really big investment in a European card for 2020 as a fallback. Anyone got any thoughts on that? Well, I'm told that he he got a sponsor's invitation to play in Panama through his management, and he feels obliged to take that okay. invitation because they're not that easy to get. So. Uh, and starting the week, he doesn't know he's going to win 150,000 euros. So his plans were, I'm going to go and play in Panama. Look, if he wins in Panama, he'll get a ticket to play on the PGA Tour, probably. You know, So you know, there's a big stakes there as well. Yeah. So I, I agree with you a bit, Hazy, but I can see that he wants to fulfil his his promises. I think he's just... He's just picked where he wants to play, really. And and that's, that's nothing against the European Tour or, or any other all. places. I think... What that says to me is that European Tour is a bit of a backup and he wants to be based in North America and he's got a good little cushion now with the European Tour and he can build on that throughout the year, but I think he kind of wants to strike while the iron's hot as well. And, and he's got a, and got a first... sister who lives in Dallas who's got her yeah. own house who he stays at her house sometimes, which you know gives him somewhere to stay if he does yeah. get an opportunity to play there. And, and you're right, he did commit to Panama before anything, before the Abu Dhabi tournament. Um, well before Saudi Arabia, so I understand why he's there, and I, I, you know, I think he can go really well in Panama too, for that matter. But so it'll be a moot point, and I'll be an idiot. But I just wish that sometimes all the kids going through wouldn't be so, I guess, uh, mono-focused. <laughs> I don't know what the right word is, but mono-focused on North America, because I think our European tour friends are, give the young guys, in particular, a great path out of this country. Anyway, that's a that's a whole different story. While we're wrapping up other events around the place. The Avondale Amateur, which is now a national rankings event on the Golf Australia Series, was running one last week. Um, a big shout-out to Blake Windred, who I think has been knocking on the door for a very long time. He's put a, another big down payment on the uh, on his chances of getting into the Australian teams later in the year for the Asia-Pacific Amateur Championship. I think he's now up to the second-ranked amateur in Australia behind yeah, David Micheluzzi. He might even be in the top 20. I'd have to check that. Very poor research on my account. I think 16, I think. 16. Ooh. So great great win there and a fighting finish at Avondale. Great club and a great tournament. And the men's tournament was hot. Um, some, some big shouts. Lewis Hoth was pretty prominent. Jai Pickham was prominent. Jed Morgan flew home. And I think they're the names that we need to look out for um, coming up, and, as well as some other ones, of course. And I don't know if you, how good your research is, Elliot. It's always always impeccable. It's but exceptional. If I said KK Park, no. Oh, I can't believe I've drawn a <laughs> blank from the Oracle. Uh, Kumkang Park, known as KK, which I think is a, probably a good thing for all of us, Blakey. Except you, you're very good on your Korean pronunciations. Well, I'm not as good as Ali. Kumkang Park? Yeah, sounds good. Uh, she was, she's she's six, even better on Thai ones. 16 years of age, came out and won at Avondale by eight shots. Uh, her first wow. her first major victory, she called it. I, we know what she means. Um, that's It's been phenomenal to see a couple... Uh, well, I shouldn't say phenomenal because it's becoming regular to see Koreans come out here and, yeah. and win big events. But to have them 16 come out and dominate fields, uh, two out of three weeks now, uh, if you take into consideration the Australian amateur... Um, it's an extraordinary place, Korean golf for women's or Korea for women's golf, isn't it? Just never fails to impress. No, well, that's it. I mean, the the pathways that they're getting now, are, are, they're well oiled <laughs> with yeah. a lot of success. That's very true. Which brings us back to the Vic Open, uh, where we started the program. Now we're going to have to uh, talk 
a few things here that are going to you know, really jeopardise your reputation, Ali. And Blakey, yours is already in tatters, so that's probably not such a loss. But Ali, we want to talk to you. Uh, which, one, which one do you want to do first? Do you want to do your predictions for the Vic Open, or do you want to put your your um, time capsule things down for the entire 2019 year? Let's do time capsule first, because I reckon okay. we, we'll we'll sign off without without. Ride or die, Vic Open. It's <laughs> a really good point. Predictions, yeah. All right, well, so, so I've asked everyone as they come on and make their first appearance on Inside the Ropes this year to give me a prediction of what something they think will happen this year, something big, and also something they'd like to see happen. What's your certainty for the year, the big one? Uh, my certainty for the year, I'm, I'm pretty convinced we're going to see a young Aussie win on the European tour. I just, I really feel like... There's opportunity there. I think the guys are getting more and more comfortable. I think there's a younger presence there. So they've kind of got their own, um, you know, little fraternity. I, I'd, I'd be surprised if we didn't. And, you know, and I, I'm going to put Jason Scribner in that bunch as well. Um, what an exceptional player that probably not that many people in Australia really know of. He's from WA. He's um, also here this week. And he is also... Really, I mean, he's got to be one of the favourites. You'd, right, you'd think going it? forward, yeah. he's, he's yeah, going to be up there. I saw him yeah. just before. Um, but yeah, just kind of goes about his business and not a, not a flashy guy. But um, yeah, so that's my number that's one. That's good. I like that one. Yeah. Uh, and now something you'd really like to see happen, but you're not really prepared to, you know, put too much of your heart on it. <laughs> what would I like to see happen? Well, I know, I know Minji winning a major has been thrown out already. Um, that would be a, a real thrill and I think a, a massive thing for Australian golf. Um, but to be honest with you, I mean, watching the next generation come through, I would, I would love to see even like a, a Curtis Luck, um, walk away with a trophy. I think he is supremely capable of doing so that, that over in the U S um, he already challenged, you know, kind of went head to head with Phil Mickelson, um, toe to toe for quite a while there earlier this year. So I don't know. I just feel like someone's going to step up and put their hand up. And I think Min Woo Lee did a good job of that, but I, I reckon we can go better than that this year. So many good young players. Yeah, there are. That's it. That, you know, it's incredible on both the depth sides. of talent. Yeah. yeah, I mean, we haven't mentioned Hannah Green, and uh, you know, having an excellent first year in LPGA. I mean, she could win something soon. Karis Davidson in Japan yeah. as well. Yeah. She's you've got to keep an eye on her because she she's crafty. Yeah, she's cr- nearly as crafty as Jane. And tough. There you go. Tough. Oh, I see what you did there. Yeah. <laughs> okay, Blakey, it's your turn. We made. All bar one of us made mockeries of ourselves at the at the Men's Australian Open in November. One of us probably did a little bit better than the others. I won't go into details oh, about no, that. You still won't but, lit up about that, will you? But, uh, big shout to Abraham Answer. Thanks, mate. Uh, I would like your... Uh, I'm going to do roughies and a, a, and a, and a winner for the Vic Open for the this women's week. and the men's Vic Open this week. Okay, so um, I'm a terrible tipster, so... I don't want to tip any Australians and put the moz on them, right? <laughs> yes. So this is the reason why I'm tipping for the women's. Georgia Hall from England, who won two years ago, I believe. She's Her star has just flown since then. She's three years, gone to America three years ago, and she's a lot better player now. She knows the course, plays well. So I'm tipping Georgia Hall. My roughie in the women's is Hannah Green, who I aforementioned. Hannah Green finished about second or third last year. Does uh, that qualify year. as rough, Ellie, in your opinion? I know that's a bit... In this question. field, yeah, I think it does. Okay. In a yeah. full field, it's probably a bit questionable, but I've gone there. Uh, Ryan Fox from New Zealand might win the men's. Very, very good player. Um, good form. I'm going to stick with him. My roughie would be David Michaluzzi. Wow. An Number amateur. five ranked amateur. amateur in the world. Look, we call him an amateur. He's 22. Yeah. Uh, he's turning 23 this year. He's like a mini pro. He's played, He's been fifth in an Australian Open. Yep. I'd love to see him bob up this week. That's good. I like but I that don't one. want to tip him and put the moz on him, but I'm going to list him as a roughie. Okay, I like that. Ali, where are you going to head? For, on the women's side of the draw first, perhaps? Oh, women's side. Um, I, I'm i going to go with the Brits, actually. I think I'm going to go a Brit double whammy, in fact. Um, I think my eyes this week are going to be on Charlie Hull and Bronte Law. Um, Bronte, you probably heard a little bit less about, but she is... So gritty. So Bronte is your roughie? Uh, yeah, I, I think so. Um, Charlie Hull won in Abu Dhabi on the Ladies European Tour and just looks super sharp. Um, she's a player that should have won more than she has. No, she, I, agree. I think she she had a string of runner-up finishes on the Ladies European Tour when she first came out before she won. Um, if she's winning already this year, then it could be a really good 2019 for her. Um, Bronte Law, she's an outside chance for the Solheim Cup team. She actually won... 
LATQ school. She was asked by the captain of the Solheim Cup team, Katrina Matthew, to go to Q school because she had to go and get membership to be eligible. And she thought, I saw her before and she said, well, I was over there, so I thought I may as well win it. (laughs) She was like a horse that saw a gap on the final straight and just went, yep, okay, done, dusted, and just went for it. And uh, she's a seriously impressive player. That's good. Yeah. On the men's side, should I do men's? Do men's, please. Play on. Play on. Um, uh, I mean, I don't know if we'd call him a favourite, but Justin Harding is a South African who has been playing some exceptional golf on the... Well, he actually played uh, one on the Asian Tour last year, but he kind of just keeps on rolling at the moment. Um, He's finished finished eighth in Dubai, 11th last week in the Saudi International, and he wasn't signed up to play either of those and just played his way into it through his finishes off the Asian Tour and then played his way off the eighth place into the Saudi and he just kind of keeps on trundling along. So not a very well-known favourite, I guess. That's interesting. That's fantastic. Oh, that's my favourite. She's killing you in the Finches. Oh, that's just so much good research. (laughs) No, I mean, well, I should know what I'm talking about. I saw him play last week. But um, Kurt Kitayama, also um, an American bloke who um, won late uh, towards the end of last year, I think it was in South Africa in the end. Um, but, yeah, super crafty player that we probably don't know a lot of. Um, really nice guy. But, yeah, I mean, Scott Hend as well. Oh, Adrian Otegi. He's a Spaniard. Highest-ranked player he's in the field. He's a top-ranked top guy. He, he is, Sorry. yeah. But we, do, we don't really know much about him. No. I can tell you he's a great singer and oh. that the ladies love him. That's what is I can that tell right? You. Yeah, he's, he's like the quintessential Spanish man. You know, I can picture him over a paella pan or something like that. Really? With a glass Good of luck, red. Yeah. Sort yeah. of um he's in, one to like watch. instrumental guitarist, sort of flamenco guitar? Maybe not. I think he's kind of more he would be kind of a is it crooner, is that the word? Yeah. Get, yeah. yeah. Really? So yeah. No, great player and a lovely, lovely chap as well. I'll have to go and get this on video uh tomorrow, Blakey, and see if you can croon us something. <laughs> we'll work on that. <laughs> one thing I wanted to ask Ellie was about the lengthening of the women's courses for this event. Uh, over 200 metres, both courses are longer than last year. The tees have been popped back. One of the par fives on the uh, beach course, the 14th, I think it is, Hazy has been brought back to a par four. So they put mm-hmm. the tee forward, made it from a par five into a par four, rip, making it a par 72. Uh, Trevor Hurden uh, from Golf Australia said it relates to the quality of the field and the fact it's an LPJ event. Is How do you feel about it? Do you think that it's a good thing? I think the end of the week goal should be for the scores on both sides to be comparable. Um, the men's have been lengthened. It looks as though the women's have been lengthened even more. We've actually managed. More. Yeah, yeah. We, and, and especially, you know, in, in ratio to how far men hit versus um, the women. I, I think in past years we've got the formula right. There's never actually really been a huge differential. I think maybe three or four shots might be the most in the last few years um, in terms of, the, you know, the difference between the men's and the women's. And it's gone both ways. It has, um, yeah. You know, with women's finishing higher and, and vice versa. Um, I don't know that it needed it, mm. especially given the, the weather conditions. I probably would have looked at the weather on, on Monday. We've got a lot of wind coming. Um, we're going to be on the beach course as well, which is quite penal um, with a lot of tea tree. So uh, Minji Lee shot 14 under to win last year, but she was five ahead of everyone else. So, yeah. I think the numbers were pretty good last year for where the field were. I think 12 yeah. under winner would have been pretty good, and, and I don't remember the weather being mm. as, as bad as its forecast. So I'm not going to dob anyone in, um, but I have heard some pretty strong uh, criticism of the of the women's course and the length out in the uh, the practice range area the last couple of days. So it'll be interesting to see what happens there. I think it's um, it's it's an interesting point because it, it, we've talked a lot about Clates talks a lot about um, tournaments having a goal of a score in mind when they set the course up and whether that's a good thing or a bad thing whether we should just let them play and it doesn't really matter if the goal is which I'm, I have no idea but if the goal is to have equal things I think we're going to struggle for that this year I just think that's um, one thing that's, that's worth pointing out for perspective is that the Grange West course Hazy we yes. play next week yes it's longer than what these are it's interesting it's really interesting but it's also I mean it's it's flatter. It's more protected. The rough isn't yep. as severe. True. I mean, you know, and, and some of that comes down to conditions. You can set the course up on Monday mm. if you need to based on what's coming. So That's true. I hope it's not a talking point come Sunday afternoon. Good point. 
what will be are my tips, Ali, because they are Ooh, fundamental I'm to the way this tournament to goes. I'm always interested to hear your tips. Oh, here we go. So I have put the kiss of death on some Australians. I don't mind. I'll get out there, Blakey. The anchor, we call you. Yeah, well, I don't think Abraham Hansen calls me the anchor. That's all I've got to say. If I'm on the men's side, I'm going to go on the men's side first. I had the good fortune to play a pro-am on Saturday at the Geelong Golf Club, a nine-hole pro-am, which was awesome, at the old Geelong Golf Club with Matt Jager. If he can tame his putter out here, he is going to be a roughie to contend with, uh, and he's a, he is a party waiting to happen on the golf course. He is a beauty uh, and really starting to feel confident. Um, he's got a beautiful young family, and I think he's going places. Uh, on the on the um, more firmly favoured type players, I'm sticking with two Aussies, and I can't actually make up my mind. I'm sitting here on the fence between two guys who have status in Europe of varying degrees, Dean Lawson, the local guy, and Dimi Papadardos, a past champion. They're both jumping out of their skin to get back out there. They know this course, both courses, really well. Uh, I'm going to be very biased and, and plump for my old club mate, Dean Lawson. I think he can actually um, get the chocolates here. He's very comfortable with the course and... and um, already with the hole-in-one prize, the BMW t- safely tucked away in his garage this year on the European Tour, I think he can do something on home soil and really get a re-rank that's going to be notable in his career. Both those guys, I think, have got extra... Not to say that Scott Hand, etc., hasn't got um, a, you know a bigger picture target in mind here, but those guys have really got something to play for. So I think Dean Lawson maybe from Dimi Papadados and look out for Matt Jager. On the women's side, can't go past the defending champion, Minji Lee. She's been home, rested going beautifully. Um, the Ruffy, to me, I'm a different name, Ellie. Mariah Stackhouse. Ah, uh, yeah. Great girl. A ripping young lady from the United States, um, making, a, I think, a second maybe appearance in, in Australia. Um, just started to take the steps that I want to see from an emerging player towards the end of last year. Um, do you? I, I don't know how much you've had to do with Mariah, but I think she's a face of the game in the future. She gets it. She gets the big picture. She's yeah. fiercely intelligent. Went to Stanford. But um, my favourite story about her is... So I, I had dinner with her in Taiwan. And she kind of put me on the spot. She goes, okay, so what's in your notes about me? And I said, you've got one of the best stories in golf. And she looked at me quizzically. And I said, so when she was playing on the Symmetra Tour, she accidentally locked her golf clubs in the boot of her car with, with the keys. So she couldn't get her golf clubs out before her round. And so she's got everyone at the golf club trying to break these these golf clubs. I think it was a rental car as well, trying to get out, couldn't get them out, and ended up going and playing with a, with a set of rental clubs. You're kidding. And crushed it You're, with the oh, rentals. kidding me. No, and I just think that that's one of those things that yeah. kind of tells you about the character of the person. Um, but yeah, ended up being in a really good spot even despite that. That's amazing. Not as quite as good a research as Justin Harding, but I'm still happy with my... <laughs> Ali's anecdotes. That could be a new segment. Yeah. <laughs> that could get me in trouble, that actually. Is a, that is a pinchy. No, that's... That, yeah, look. And I am going to give... Uh, I don't know if you, how much you've listened while you've been away, but I have instigated a best of field in our podcast. Today, congratulations. You are the, you are the recipient. <laughs> I'm boff. You are. Best best on... Yeah, best... No, BIP, I think. Best BIP? in podcast. Oh. So, so Minji Hazy is number seven in the world. Um... She's talked today about wanting to get better this year. It's uh, Ali, interesting. She, I asked her what what she thought the gap was between her to say, uh, area Jatanagan and and Sun Hyung Park. Um, she said length, got to hit it further. So, is that? Yeah, I've spoken to Richie Smith, her coach, about that as well. So they think that she needs to find some more length. There's. I don't know if I necessarily agree with that because I think there's golf courses on their schedule that you don't need to be long. But the difference is, you know, you look at a golf course like where, like Woburn, for example, where the um, the Women's British is this year. Everyone thought that it would be a straight hitter that would win there because the rough is just so tough. But in the end, area one over Mo Martin, which is kind of quite the conundrum, having the two of them Long next to short. each other. Exactly, one of the shortest players, mm. um, but the, the longest player, because she could hit irons off the tee. Mm. And so right. that is a massive advantage. Aria doesn't even play with driver, and she's one of the longest in the game. She just doesn't need to. So she actually ends up getting an extra 10% of accuracy mm. as well. I think, interestingly, when Blakey asked that question in the, po- in the press conference to Minji earlier today she, about the long course that he asked you a few minutes ago, she her eyes just lit up like she didn't have a fear about it whatsoever I think some of the women probably do and I think those who do and 
those making those perhaps negative comments about the length of the course, They've you been can cut out. stick a fork in them straight away. I think Minji's going to gobble those extra yards, yards up on the long, longer and tougher holes. Uh, well, I spoke to Trevor Hurden, who saw her play the 18th at the uh, Creek course the other day, straight back into the wind, par five, and she knocked on the green for two. So Wow, yeah. there you go. All right, She's we not wrap... short, by the way. No, yeah. definitely not. We've got to wrap this up. Again, best in podcast, the Finchies goes to you, Alison Whitaker. Thank you so much for joining us. You hit the top of the leaderboard alongside Stacey Peters and Lucas Herbert. Oh, that's a, that's tough Del- competition. I, I am I am just thrilled to be even in the same sentence as those two humans. I thought I've you know churned out a couple of good efforts, Blakey. I can't even get a look in. You and I, no, <laughs> no love for toast. us. No, there's no, no love for especially us, especially given I'm the ho- the judge of these awards. Yeah. Uh, so we're going to wrap this up, but I want to remind you that's been episode eighty. We're going to have a crack as many episodes as we can this week live from the Vic Open, just as we did at the Men's Australian Open in November. Daily from Thursday with an ounce of luck, we should come back to you maybe three or four times from Thursday through to Sunday, and then we'll back up again and have another crack from Adelaide next week, the ISPS Hander Women's Australian Open. Ali Whitaker, thanks so much for uh, fitting us into your busy schedule. Oh, absolute pleasure. Wouldn't have it any other way. <laughs> Martin Blake, extraordinaire with an A-I-R-E on the end. <laughs> Good on you, Hazy. Merci. <laughs> Bilingual as well. Bilingual. And plus the Korean. Trilingual. This is <laughs> from you. Uh, thanks, everyone. That's been Inside the Ropes. We'll try and get Andy Ma back in the swing of things soon. I know everyone misses his voice when it's not here, and uh, we appreciate your time. We'll chat to you again next time.